Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. But I want to talk right now about autonomous vehicle technology. You know, we've heard a lot about this uh, in recent years. It still feels like this is a long way from being widely deployed. There's been some awkward stories in the news, certainly for one company in particular, Tesla, uh, and their autopilot uh, driver system, which raises questions about, you know, where's the technology at here and what still needs to change? Some research at the University of Alberta uh, aimed at, at addressing that specifically. The ability to make faster, safer decisions in real time. Like, for example, imagine a child jumping out in front of your car as you drive down a residential street. Now count to three. That's how long it could take a self-driving car with insufficient data to turn control back over to the driver. By then, it's too late to react. As drivers, we know we need to make split-second decisions that can potentially be life or death. If we're going to rely on more, more on technology, well, the technology needs to do that as well. So joining us to talk more about the research uh, being done at the University of Alberta on this, very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, uh, Dr. Esan Hashemi, an expert in autonomous navigation with the University of Alberta's Faculty of Engineering. Professor Hashemi, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. Okay, so... What is it that, that we mean when we talk about this this kind of technology to, to make a decision, to turn control back over to the driver? What, what, what do we refer to that as? Yes. Uh, two main challenges in autonomous driving these days is dedicated or uh, it's more focused on the computational resources and the safe decision making. Uh, having said that, the, the, the main uh, research focus that we have in our lab is on how we can enhance the computational efficiency of the algorithm, which means how we can sense the environment faster and how we can perceive the environment, including any static or dynamic objects, including pedestrians, cyclists, kids jumping into the street. And at the same time, enhance the situational awareness of the autonomous truck. Uh, for in this direction, we are mostly focusing on how we can make a safe decision making when it comes to the, the dynamic environment or a critical situation, especially in harsh weather conditions that we have in Alberta. Because in harsh weather conditions, the, the limited field of view, the, the perceptually degraded conditions, including snow or rain or slippery surfaces, that makes decision-making and control of the autonomous vehicle really challenging. Uh, on this direction, we are focusing on, again, enhancing the computational power of the autonomous driving. And uh, for that, we are working on improving the algorithm such that we just process the data that we need. You're not supposed to process all the data. And uh, in uh, another direction that we are working on is the scalability of this uh, system, which means the shared perception. The shared perception is a concept that right now we are working 
based on leveraging the connectivity between the autonomous driving and other human-driven or autonomous driving vehicles and also infrastructure. Put in a nutshell, if there are some, again, uh, occlusion or if there are any limited field of view or if there is any perceptually degraded conditions by communication between the autonomous vehicles, we can enhance the sensing and perception of the other autonomous vehicles behind. Uh, and when it comes to the interaction between the autonomous driving and the human driver, again, the, the main key point is the safe decision making. Which control system we can rely on? Can we rely 100% on the human or can we rely on the autonomous driving? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so there, there, there are different aspects to this, I guess, because there's the technology itself and the autonomous vehicle making the decision as to how to respond when something arises. And, and then the decision, the kind of decision that would involve handing control back over to the driver. Are these, are these different systems or is it still part of the, the overall decision-making process that this technology would have? Yes, this is a part of the whole decision-making uh, framework that we are developing. The challenge during the handover is when the handover flag raised to, to give the full control to the human. First of all, the human might not be in a proper situation to give the control. And human may, might have some good perception around the, about the surrounding objects. But the problem is human does not have a proper information about the states or the situation of the vehicle. Uh, by that, I mean the stability of the vehicle. Is the vehicle completely uh, slipping? Is the, ha have the vehicle the proper capacity in terms of braking or lane changing? On the other side, the autonomy does not have any information about the cost function or the objective function of the human. So this technology and the research program that we have is mostly focusing on how we can compromise between these two control systems at each sequence that they get familiar with the, with the other um, um, control system within a specific er, uh, amount of time to do the decision and to take the control to the, to the player that has more reliance within a specific period of time. And one main aspect of or main uh, milestone for our algorithm is reaching to the processing time of 20 milliseconds. So this in increases and enhances the safety of the autonomous driving for high-speed uh, driving scenarios. So how do we get to that? What, what needs to change? Uh, we, for this one, we put a constraint on our computational resources. Uh, we are not uh, using hundreds of computers. We are just using a normal uh, graphic processing unit. But how we are enhancing the computational efficiency? We are just focusing on the parts of the scene that has been seen by the camera, by the LIDAR, by the radar, that has more importance in terms of processing. And another aspect of this, or another element that we were able to enhance the computational efficiency is multimodal data fusion between these. We are not 100% relying on the camera. We are not 100% relying on the LiDAR system or radar system. We are fusing all information coming from these different sensors, but with a specific region of interest in the scene or in the um, um, big amount of data that we are receiving. We are not looking on all of those data. We are just interested in a specific part of the scene that is our region of interest. 
What about using artificial intelligence? Does that factor in? Yeah, indeed. Uh, the uh, for for all of uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, we definitely need artificial intelligence. It, it starts from detection of the objects, uh, distinguishing between the cyclists, between the pedestrian, and uh, distinguishing between even the buildings, signs, and then also leveraging artificial intelligence in the control systems. Uh, or migrating from the classical control theory to uh, uh, a learning base or a machine learning based control. Yes, it plays a key role both again in perception, detection, control, and even decision making. Okay, so what's the plan here moving forward? You're going to be testing out this technology at the University of Alberta. Tell us more about that. Uh, yes. Yes, we have a funding from NSERC and also the Canada Foundation for Innovation, CFI. And the plan is uh, using this technology in the north campus of the University of Alberta, using some remote sensing unit that would be installed on infrastructure and monitoring the system, monitoring the vehicle, and then again leveraging the connectivity between the vehicle and the, the infrastructure. And then uh, when the project is successful, the plan is uh, scaling it up and talking to the city of Edmonton to have it in a more uh, highly dynamic environment, for example, downtown Edmonton. be very interesting to see what comes of all of this. Uh, Professor Shemi, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.